And Tillman, when it gets a chance, is like, Chance, I just want to say it was a pleasure being on your dad's show today. Um, you know, Larry's someone that I have so much respect for. And that's when Kieran and I put the dots together, like, that's Larry King's son. I just stayed connected with Chance. And I asked him, I was like, hey, Chance, it would be an absolute pleasure to have your father on my show. And he's like, when are you going to be in L.A. next? This is Finding Founders, a podcast showcasing the vibrant entrepreneurial spirit of Los Angeles and our journey to find the founders responsible. I'm Samuel Donner, and today on the show, we are doing something a little meta. I'm a podcaster who interviews entrepreneurs, and today I'm interviewing Casey Adams, an entrepreneurial podcaster who interviews entrepreneurs. Yes, the interviewer has become the interviewee. Also, side note, the audio quality will be a bit different this episode, as Casey will soon explain. My, my buddy, his employees were in the office downstairs, so I was I had to come upstairs to our apartment building. So I don't have a Blue Yeti with me right now. We decided to proceed with the interview sans Mike, but Casey Adams doesn't just tell other people's stories. He has quite a unique origin story of his own. Growing up in a small town, Casey had humble beginnings. In fact, he was an aspiring football player before becoming the social media savvy entrepreneur he is today. From an unknown small town football player, Casey became a prominent social media tycoon, garnering followers and supporters with his undeniable charm and charisma. Casey is only 19, so going to the beginning of his life doesn't take us too far back in time. So let's start in Chesterfield, Virginia. So when it comes to my childhood, I definitely, you know, I always like to tell people I lived in one setting in one small community. I didn't travel a lot and I was really just a product of my environment, right? I mean, I grew up playing sports and the, the, in the environment of Chesterfield, Virginia is definitely very family oriented. It's a, it's a culture filled of loving families, family environments, small town vibes, and most importantly, a lot of sports. I was the youngest of three. I was following in their footsteps and I was just doing what they were doing. What my older brother was watching on TV, I was watching on TV and the dynamic was always that until I became an independent thinker. A sense of community was ingrained in Casey through his small town upbringing. He lived a comfortable life with a supportive and loving family. His life was seemingly perfect. However, the truth was Casey lived in a bubble. He was stagnant and his community reflected that complacency. Despite this stagnancy, Chesterfield was home and it was all he'd ever known. Growing up in a family-focused community, his relationships with his older brothers were integral to his development. The influence of his brothers and his small town molded his values and goals to the point where it became fused with his own identity. But in momentarily surrendering his uniqueness, he found a calling. Sports. Touchdown! You gotta be kidding me! I never played really individual sports. It was hockey, it was lacrosse, and it was football. 
And those are sports where there's no one winner, right? The team is the winner. So you have to be very selfless and you have to put the team first. Just being a part of a team taught me the value of leadership. And most importantly, just it takes a, a group and a unit to win. Sports give Casey purpose. Casey loved the physical challenge of hockey, but more importantly, he loved that it forced him to think beyond himself. Growing up, Casey always sought to surround himself with people who were better, people who could help him thrive. Being the youngest of three, it was almost encouraged for him to learn by observing. Playing on a team gave him the freedom to grow up as an individual, to flourish in an environment where everyone was on equal footing. He was not a younger brother any longer. He was one of the guys. He followed, but this time it was a choice. It was a small concession for the chance to garner skills that would aid in his future endeavors. Despite this positive growth from sports, he was faced with an equally negative force from his brothers and peers. Being the youngest brother, right, I saw both my brothers go to high school first and both of them had their friend groups and they were doing what they were doing going to parties and hanging out with people and just looking back, they weren't building positive habits. And that's not where my mind was at the time, but I just saw them just having so much fun that they're forgetting like, okay, what, what do you want to do with your life, right? It was never future-based thinking. That's when I really started to understand like, hey, this is not something I should be associated with, whether that's going to parties or friends doing drugs or selling drugs, whatever it is. And I saw my brothers and their friends dabbling into different things like that. And it really just made me take a step back and become very independent. Um, I always saw that trajectory as something I never wanted to dabble into. It's definitely interesting to see like where I come from in my hometown, where some of my friends, they're now in prison or arrested or selling drugs or it was just never a good environment as I matured and understood what was happening and how they were just spiraling in such a downward trajectory, especially from the like mentality of how they live their life. Casey's immaculate bubble was popping. The brothers he had so admired succumbed to the fleeting glory of high school popularity. But Casey no longer wanted to blindly follow in his brother's footsteps. The undying admiration Casey had for his brothers was marred by the truth. They were flawed and they were human. He wasn't the doe-eyed little boy who looked up to his brothers with blind devotion. No, he was changing and maturing. Taking a step back to reassess his life, he realized that he needed to carve his own path. He needed to focus on his future. He needed to dispel the negativity surrounding him. Sports has always been his safe haven, and that was where he reinvested his time and himself. I didn't start playing football until it was like eighth grade. I was playing on you know, the junior varsity team, and I've always had a passion and like, you know, watched football. My dad was a like state champion in Tennessee growing up. He was a beast. And my older brother, he was playing at the high school and, and it was one of those teams where I was like, Hey, I want to play football just because it was a challenge to me. Like growing up, I always attacked challenges in my life. Whether that was 
something like playing a new sport or learning a new skill, whatever it is. But I, you know, it was one of those sports that it really built the mental discipline. Football taught me so many lessons when it comes to showing up on time and actually building with a team and committing yourself to being a part of something, which was the team. And it, it was super valuable when it comes to, you know, the way I see the world and what I learned from that. But, but yeah, football was the catalyst for seeing that. Juxtaposed with the chaos and negativity of his peers and maturing brothers, Casey found solace in football. He craved the challenge and the structure it provided. Underlying the physical and mental stimulation that football provided, Casey acquired vital skills that would carry with him to his future endeavors. Although football careers come and go, the life lessons he acquired endure. But unfortunately, his football career, it would go. Let's talk about where you were when you had your injury. It's like the fun drill where you lay down, you and another individual, and you lay on your back, and you both pop up when the whistle's blown, and then just try to take each other to the ground. But my helmet wasn't on properly in a sense. It was a little bit loose. And I noticed it, but it wasn't like anything uncertain. I was like, I'm good. Like, it feels snug. And the whistle blows, pop up, and he ended up like spinning me in a sense, like a kind of a 360 motion, and sort of like my chin strap slid up to my, you know, higher up on my face to like my nose area, so my helmet tilted back and against my spine. So when I smacked my head on the ground, that's when my helmet guillotined my spine. But the next day I wake up and I literally cannot even move my head. Mom takes me to the doctor, walk in there, like I said, expecting everything to be okay, get some x-rays, and the doctor comes in. He's like, the good news is you're not paralyzed, and the bad news is you have to be in a neck brace for the next six months, and you cannot play football ever again in your life. When the doctor said you can't play football for the rest of your life, did, did you understand what that meant or like how your life would have to change? It definitely didn't hit me in the moment at all. I definitely rejected it. I was definitely super like resentful about hearing that. And as the days went on that turned to weeks, I just became very negative about the whole situation. And it was definitely a process. I'm in this most uncomfortable neck brace, cannot move my head. I have to sleep in it. I have to eat in it. And the worst part was I had to go to school in it. So I'm now walking around school in this neck brace. And I'm, I've always been a confident person, but it's not the most, you know, it's not the best thing to walk around school in a neck brace. And it was definitely weighing in on just my self-confidence and how I was viewing the world and how I was like my happiness and everything. It really just slowly started to like chip away at my view on the life and how I live my day to day because I couldn't hang out with anyone. I couldn't play sports anymore. I was mad at my parents. I was blaming others. In the blink of an eye, years of physical training and mental preparation vanished. His identity was ripped away. In a way, he needed room to grieve. 
He was consumed with denial, letting despair and anger cloud his positive disposition and outlook on life. The pain of losing a part of himself was inflicted outward, affecting those around him to the point where he became unrecognizable. He briefly succumbed to the negativity he had fought so hard to dispel. At this point, he was in a state of confusion, and what he needed most was time. Time to recover and time to reflect. He realized eventually that the road to recovery did not lay in the past, but in the future. It laid in channeling his pain into positivity and growth, dwelling on the could-haves only hindered his progress. Instead, he needed to forge a new path for himself once again. Here in my garage, just bought this uh, new Lamborghini here. But you know what I like a lot more than materialistic things? Knowledge. Yeah, I mean, so Ty Lopez, he started popping up on YouTube everywhere during this time of me being at home, me being, you know, stuck in my phone. I'm a 16, 15, 16-year-old kid at home in a neck brace, can't leave the house, can't do anything. What else do I do? I'm on social media. I'm on YouTube. So I'm on YouTube and this guy, Ty Lopez, keeps appearing on these ads talking about health, wealth, love, and happiness. And the fourth one is the one that really like stuck out, right? He's talking about happiness, living this great life. And I'm depressed at home and it just sparked curiosity in what he was talking about. And I've always been a very open-minded person to new things. And it's when I started following him, I got his 67-step program, which was 67 days watching one video a day. And I, I felt this burning passion just come out of nowhere from him talking about these individuals or stories. And it just really was a moment where I let my curiosity and my gut go with it. Right? And I think that's a very important lesson that I continue to use to this day. So when he's talking about all these different concepts about wealth and money and happiness and networking and just surrounding yourself with greatness, it really just sparked interest in my mind. But it was just these different fundamental concepts of the world, like chipping away day by day and looking at life as a sculpture instead of a lottery. He was just breaking down these simplistic, fundamental truths. Casey had grown up in a small town without much vision. Most of the people that grew up in Chesterfield stayed in Chesterfield. Casey had no role models in his hometown that could quench his thirst for more, for something greater, for something beyond the ordinary. Luckily, the internet provided him a host of individuals that had escaped mediocrity. Casey had previously directed all his energy into sports, and he loved that challenge. But that track was eliminated. He needed to channel his energy into something else. Having an innate curiosity and a hustler mentality, Casey sought out novel paths and stumbled upon a new passion. Entrepreneurship. He had the independence, the drive, the curiosity to create his own success within the business arena. And with a nudge from Ty, he embraced his potential. I was always curious about traveling. He talked about in his program, just surrounding yourself, going to different events and meeting people and just the networking concept where I started becoming obsessed with like, how can I just leave my hometown and go out there and network? 
I started seeing, you know, I just started feeding my my curiosity with the, all of these different highly successful entrepreneurs. And I didn't know at the time what I was doing, but I was just changing my environment, right? What I was looking at on my phone, who I was listening to, what I was digesting. And I'm, you know, thinking about what Ty talked about and what all these highly successful people talked about. I started just analyzing and being aware of my environment and the information and how it's truly benefiting my life or not. And I started to just question the, the environment I was in and, you know, even my parents' thoughts on the world and my brother's thoughts on the world because it's very cookie cutter where I come from. I don't know anybody from my hometown that left, period. They stay in the, the little bubble of Chesterfield County and that's just the truth and there's nothing, there's nothing bad about that. But I just started to question why because I'm hearing all these different stories from different people. And it was truthfully that momentum in my mind that I just became obsessed with that whole space of self-development and learning new things. With the limitless resources of the internet, he had knowledge at his fingertips and he took advantage of it. The internet allowed him to virtually travel, explore and learn beyond what the walls of Chesterfield had imposed on him. Casey was evolving and changing, breaking from the stagnancy of his environment. From the internet, Casey sourced driven individuals who shared his ambition. The walls of Chesterfield came crumbling down and could no longer hold Casey back. The online videos and books weren't enough. Casey itched to apply his newly acquired knowledge. After spending years smothering his individuality to fit the stereotypical mold of a small town boy, Casey was ready to live for himself. I'm now moving into sophomore year with like this whole new mindset of like how I'm viewing the world. And throughout that year, it was super interesting because I began to just like question my teachers and like I would take AP classes every now and then. And it was one of those moments where I'm like, I'm not living how I want to live. Like I, I believe I'm living for others. Like why am I taking AP history? I'm not passionate about AP history at all. I just started getting thrown into so many other real world opportunities when it comes to just my understanding on what's out there that I began to just search for more and slowly start to silence my current reality, which was a high schooler that's going to school, that's in classes. And it was like, when I got home, school was done. I'm in my own self-development world. Yeah. Talk about what you started executing on. It slowly started to change in my mind where I'm like, hey, I don't think college for me and I don't plan to go to college, but if that's my plan, I need to do something about it and I need to prove to myself, but also my parents that I'm pursuing something that can lead to something. I started learning Facebook advertising. I started learning just social media management, viral video ad strategies, and just conversion ads, and all these different things. And it was just a whole new world and a skill set that I was diving into. And I just started testing so many different verticals of online business and learning how to make money online and completely shooting in different directions. I began to get in the mindset of a producer, right? How can I build a brand? How can I put out content? How can I connect with people 
and build a following. And I became obsessed with the idea of what a personal brand is, and most importantly, the power of it. Casey began to question the benefits of a traditional education. Although he was capable of getting that degree as a token of his institutional validation, he was more concerned with dabbling in areas that pertain to his own interests and career goals. The real world discarded GPA and instead lauded skill and experience. He moved towards the real world. Instead of following the well-worn educational path that many teenagers default to, Casey assessed his personal desires and goals. He was excited to deviate from the norm. He reinvented himself, not letting external expectations dictate his life. In a way, social media was his outlet, a place where he could be honest and open. As someone who never let criticism impact him negatively, Casey found social media liberating. His desire to surround himself with like-minded people became his reality, and he seized the opportunity and toiled to cement his entrepreneurial pursuits. I would get home from school and write in my journal for hours, figuring out my strategy for content, to not even just creating videos. I was more so just documenting my journey, regurgitating information in my own way as someone that's young, that's on his self-development journey. And I was always very transparent with my audience on Snapchat at the time, and then also Instagram. I was just very aware. I wasn't trying to be someone I'm not. I was living my truth and just documenting that on social and just going all in, building community, reaching out to people to say, hello, I'd love to ask you a question. Hey, I love your content. And slowly but surely throughout the year of 2016, I really started to gain some traction. I started a social media agency and I was doing Facebook advertising for like the local dentist and viral video campaigns for just small businesses in my hometown and just following the roadmap that Ty laid out for starting a social media agency, getting business owners to pay you to manage their social media. From that, the most important lesson I learned was that, hey, you have a skill set now and you just need to go out there and network and close and start making money so that your parents don't make you get a job at the local pizza spot. I can make $100 in my room on my phone. You're not taught in school the entrepreneurial mindset of becoming so good they can't ignore you, becoming so valuable that people pay you for your time. I began to shift my mindset towards a business owner thinker, as an investor thinker, and that's what I fell in love with, was just this new way of thinking. We'll be right back after this break. I'm in New York right now, and my friend Danny took me out for a New York slice at the aptly named restaurant, Best Pizza. I thought it was so great, so I called them and asked, can I leave a five-star review? Best Pizza. Hello, um, I had your pizza yesterday, and I really enjoyed it. Would it be okay if I left a five-star review on Yelp? If you what? If I left a five-star review on Yelp. It seemed like a no-brainer. Of course he wanted a five-star review. And we do too. If you liked this podcast, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. But I had one more question for Best Pizza. 
And again, I really enjoyed the pizza. Would it be okay if I came back later this week to get another slice? Yeah, of course. Again, it was a no-brainer. He answered in a New York minute. So we'd love to have you back too. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to subscribe to our podcast, Finding Founders, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks in advance. Now, back to the podcast. Freedom. That's what entrepreneurship gifted to Casey. Thinking like an entrepreneur, Casey did not settle for a job shackled to an hourly wage, but instead found a new innovative way to make quick cash. He created his own job, one that was tailored to his strengths. Although his advertising pursuits were originally motivated by capital gain, the flexibility and unconventional nature of the business appealed to his free spirit. Up to this point in time, Casey had successfully escaped the mental constraints of his town, but had yet to escape the physical constraints. He craved to travel, network, and learn. Someone that I really latched onto that's now like a really good friend of mine, his name's Caleb Maddox, who at the time I was 15, he was 14. He was an author of seven books. Um, he was speaking on stage with Gary Vee, Tony Robbins, made, you know, he's made hundreds of thousands of dollars by age, he was like 15. And I saw this kid, he, you know, he had 30,000 followers on Instagram. He was verified. He had his brand. He was doing his thing. I remember reaching out to him. We just started building a quality relationship. And towards late 2017, I was trying to, you know, build a brand, get out there. So I reached out to like 50 local reporters. One person, it was Carrie O'Brien. We scheduled this interview. She was going to come to my house and do an interview on me. And it was going to air on our actual local news station. They're interviewing me and I'm talking about social media and how I'm looking to build a brand. But most importantly, this is the key. They were like, hey, you know, what inspired you to, to do this? And I gave a big shout out to Caleb Maddox. And they just did like a whole little segment on him and gave him like mad love. This was like live on the news. And back to like, just like my core belief was just like, small wins, execution, proof. I want to prove to my parents, I want to prove to myself that I'm just doing what it takes to progress. That's the leverage I had when I reached out to Caleb again as I'm building a relationship with him. I was like, hey Caleb, I just did a, you know, an interview with ABC Channel 8 News. Here's the link, check it out. He sees that and he's like, oh my God, this is crazy, this is dope, like thank you so much. He was like, hey man, um, like." He was like, I'm speaking at this event called Epic Mastermind Experience, and there's like a Gen Z panel on Sunday. You should come out and like do a little 15-minute speech if you want to. And I was a 16-year-old kid, zero relationships, just hustling, right? I've never been to Los Angeles. I've never been to anywhere. Absolutely, I wanted to do this, right? It's such, it sounds like a phenomenal opportunity. I first brought it to my parents they were completely shutting it down so it was just foreign to them right it was like you met this kid online are they gonna is he gonna kidnap you like super just like not understanding of the industry and what's out there on social media both of my brothers they weren't the most like supportive it was like dude why are you doing this that's whack you're just holding your phone up like sort of like making fun of me in a joking way as older brothers it was one of those things where like i was so committed to just, like proving them wrong to traveling to meeting new people to getting new experiences so for me at the time i, I ended up flying myself my dad and booking the hotels for this trip it was like $1300 
And at the time, I, that wasn't something I was comfortable with doing at all. I'm just starting to make some money online. And I'm like, okay, do I just invest a lot of my money into going to this event? Like, what do I do here? But I was so passionate about just like wanting to meet people. I remember flying there and I still have like notes to this day on my phone where I'm like describing to myself, like how I got this opportunity. What was the process and steps that led me to here? And I was so grateful for it because all I wanted to do for the last year and a half was to, to travel, to meet people, to, to make, you know, to create content, to build relationships. And this was the first time I invested into myself in that way to go do that. I spoke for 15 minutes about Snapchat marketing and just telling my story. It was the first time I ever spoke on stage, super nervous, completely sucked on stage looking back. And it was the first taste of networking, relationships, content, speaking, events. But just that opportunity itself, it was really the pivoting point that proved to myself that what I'm doing was working and I'm moving forward, I'm gaining progress. And most importantly, I'm, I'm excited about it. I have this fire inside of me and I'm truthfully just going all in on it. Casey possessed the necessary skills, but now he needed to take his business to the next level. He needed to build connections. Facing skepticism from his family, he felt a need to prove the viability of his pursuits. Despite his independence and immunity to criticism, his family's doubt affected him. He sought validation for his hard work. He needed reassurance that this was a viable career path. He needed to reestablish his confidence in the face of doubt. That doubt was expelled when he found people who flourished in the business niche he was sailing towards. Casey was already moving towards success at a quick pace, but he was about to go faster. The same gust of wind that had sparked his initial movement was about to pick up intensity. He was on the cusp of working with his entrepreneurial hero. I reached out to Ty Lopez on Instagram for the intent to just say thank you. I say something along the lines of, you know, hey Ty, this weekend I spoke in an event with Caleb Maddox, Dan Fleshman, Gerard Adams. Eight months ago, I was in a neck brace, super depressed, not knowing what I wanted to do with my life. But after, you know, joining your programs, I found direction and I started pursuing social media marketing and I built this brand. And I just wanted to say thank you so much for inspiring me. Probably 30 minutes later, he DMs me back and he's like, you know, thanks for reaching out. Like, are you making money with my program or like, how has my program benefited you? I'm like, yeah, I got involved with social media program. I've closed XYZ clients. And I just more so gave him a, a quick testimonial. After I told him my story, he literally just goes, I love it. You should come to LA and shoot a video with me. Text me. Yes, absolutely, let's do it. But I can't come out there alone. I'd have to come with my parents, I'm 16. And they're like laughing about it. We fly to LA, go to the hotel, everything's paid for. And I remember like walking into his house, just like that feeling of like, wow, I've been seeing what he's posting online in this house. It really just reassured everything I was doing. And it was in that moment, and in that, you know, three days that I was out there with my mom, 
where you know I did a live stream with him and he promoted me on social media. He was tagging me on Instagram. I met um, like two quality key people in my life that um, turned out to be like some mentors for me. And I was just networking with people at his house. And that's when I you know, grew thousands of followers within a couple of days and weeks from him promoting me and showing love and support on social and me being on his YouTube video. They say never meet your idols, but for Casey, meeting Ty was life-changing. It opened up the floodgate for Casey. He was flying high on this movement towards the upper echelons of entrepreneurship. He was garnering thousands of new followers on social media and was expanding his network, but he wasn't distracted by this success. He returned to center and looked forward. There was always room for improvement, be it personal or professional. He lived in the moment, giving his all to each and every opportunity. He relished in immersing himself in this fast-paced lifestyle, going from one event to the next, a sheer contrast from the small-town living that he was taught. And this was only the tip of the iceberg for Casey. Like my definition of success is just fulfilling your ultimate potential, right? And if you wake up and say, hey, I'm successful, and that's that, you slow down and you lose that fire within. And I believe like in that time, it was I was just saying yes yes, yes to everything and truly trying to just tap into momentum. It's like I always hated when people talked about what they did in the past and what they're five years ago. And like, especially like, you know, people from my hometown or my brother's friends, you know, back in the day, the golden time, like it was like, no, like, what are you doing right now? What are you doing today? How are you getting better? What are you learning? What are you specializing in? So I was just obsessed with the process. Honestly, it was one of those things where I, I was living two different lives In that time, you know, going, flying to LA to meet Ty Lopez in Beverly Hills and then coming home on a Thursday and being in math class. And I would, that's when I really just started to think like, what am I doing? I need to just go all in. For the rest of 2017, I was going to Los Angeles every month or every other month. And I was talking about investing into your personal brand because through this process, you know, I'm meeting people, I'm going to different dinners, I'm staying with people I met online. And I was inspired to write a book. It's called Rise of the Young, How to Turn Your Negative Situation into a Positive Outcome. And I was just writing my current life at the time, right? I wasn't trying to come to some golden conclusion and say I'm the most successful person. It was just, it was something that I just looked at as a simple form of setting my mind to something, committing, finishing, and selling. Casey joined the ranks of teenage Mary Shelley and Essie Hinton, people who published books at ludicrously young ages. There was a slight difference in that those long-dead authors weren't concerned with their Instagram and YouTube profiles, and Casey was. Casey wanted to write a book that stood on its own, a personal story to inspire others, but it needed to expand beyond literature. As a businessman, Casey should know books aren't exactly a winning stock. But tie that book into the mythology of Casey. Make it part of the tapestry spanning social media platforms and in-person networking events, and you have an essential component of a winning brand. One more tapestry piece he would bring into the fold was a podcast. Late 2017, I read Gary Vee's book, Crushing It, and the last chapter was about podcasting, the power of podcasting, the power of interviewing people, the power of you know, leveraging it to have conversations to provide value to people, you know, for them to be on your show. I was like, you know what? I'm going to start a podcast. I didn't have any, you know, expertise in that. 
didn't focus on the quality at all. I just focused on putting something out there. I'm just obsessed with like DMs and you know building relationships, as I said, where I'm like, hey Gary, what would it take to get five minutes of your time? He's like, done, let's set it up. Like come to New York, we'll make it happen. And I had a personal goal of doing up to 40 interviews by the time I meet him. I'm reaching out to all these people. I'm gonna book a bunch of interviews and just completely go all in on sending DMs because that's what Gary talked about in his book. I just wanted to leverage his principles. I go to New York, meet with Gary, have a 15 minute conversation with him and you know, get the content. It's such a surreal moment for me because it just reassured everything that I'm doing. Casey was putting the timeless lessons of Dale Carnegie and Gary Vee into practice. Well-read and practiced in the art of social networking, Casey traded the glossy social media accounts and podcast puffery with authenticity. That authenticity is what drew people to Casey. Authenticity catches the attention of high-caliber guests because they know they're not wasting time answering dispassionate questions they've heard a million times before. Getting to know Gary Vee, reassured Casey that he was going about winning friends and influencing people the right way. And he started winning and influencing tons of people. I became obsessed with the, the conversations and the content that I was creating as I was building my business. If I'm interviewing people, these are potential clients, these are potential like, prospects, but most importantly, there are quality relationships in my life that I can build upon. So for me, I just went all in on reaching out, right? And two, three months later, I'm interviewing Andy Versella and Ed Milet and all of these high class people that I'm now following on social. And that's because I have the, the leverage, the social credibility, I'm building this following. I think the concept for Rise of the Young, just the show itself, was bringing insight to young entrepreneurs from the lens of a young entrepreneur so that someone else my age or younger can not only get inspired by it in the same way that I was inspired by Caleb Maddox, but for someone just that may be older than me to get motivation from someone that's younger than them. But it was also a challenge. I was like, hey, how can I connect with the most high caliber people? Because there always has to be a transaction of value. I want to provide a platform and build a brand off association. That's what it came down to. I built my brand off of the greatness of others. Casey sees value in every relationship. Every person he connects to has the potential to further his professional interests. This sounds self-serving, but actually isn't necessarily so. This doesn't mean Casey only sees dollar signs when meeting a new person. What's interesting and on its face a bit paradoxical is that he's not shallow about transactional friendship at all. He wants to cultivate a culture of paying social capital forward and giving without necessarily knowing that the gift will karmically return. Gary V and Drama deposit their time in Casey's account, and Casey turns around and gifts it back to these same entrepreneurs in the form of high-quality content. And he doesn't stop there. By the nature of his platform, he spreads this knowledge to all the young and sometimes older listeners of his podcast. Per Casey's philosophy, a world of compassionate social capital exchange expands everyone's network and business potential. Like he said, he builds off the greatness of others. I really like that. That's like an entrepreneurial kumbaya. And to elevate this kumbaya, Casey would turn once again to events. Throwing events was something that I heard from Ty early on. He said, hey, if you want to build a network, you can go to events and you can host events. But if you do both, 
you'll build a network quicker than anything possible because you're the guy that's hosting the event. And I saw Dan Fleshman doing it. I saw all of these other people in my network hosting events. Kieran and I had an event in San Diego. Me and him, we just did it personally. This was like late 2018. And then we did a Beverly Hills Mastermind in um, like September 2018, where we rented an Airbnb. We invited all of our, our networking friends. It was just a networking mastermind. And I, I, I started to see the power of the law of separation, where it's like, hey, who can I invite? Like, who are they gonna bring? What quality people do they have in their world? It just became so real and it was so cool to see what an event can do after the fact with the amount of podcast interviews I could schedule, the amount of meetings, the amount of opportunity, the doors opened. I just fell in love with bringing people together and providing the platform most importantly, right? Because the same way I look at podcasting and events, it's just a platform to bring other people on to talk about their story and to teach. Event curation was the natural next step for Casey that would fortify his already powerful network. Casey understands that connection compounds. In a room, you aren't just looking at the people in that room, you also have access to the people that these people know. That could be Rick Ross or Larry King or really anyone, heads of states, billionaires, you name it. Even though much of this connection is curated through the digital space, he knows that the Gen Z world still values face-to-face connection. Events provide that tangible quality that fosters authentic connection. And these events kept growing and growing. The pinnacle in my eyes was what I did last October was something with Rob Deerdeck and Trevor Moad and Kevion and all these high caliber people from Revolve. I always looked at events as something that was just such a vehicle. You know, events, they don't make the most money. It was just a platform to build such a foundation of relationships. And that's exactly what it did, where instead of, you know, I invite someone on the podcast, they come on there, I talk to them once, great. Now I can invite them to speak at my event. If they say no, awesome. But majority of people, because they wanted to support based on the relationship and how I built it with them, a lot of high quality people would come speak at these events. And that's what I call the pullback method, right? Where it's like, hey, you can talk to someone once, but how do you get to know them again? How do you get closer to them? How do you build a bigger and more beneficial relationship with these high caliber people? It's by spending more time with them. All these people, we had over 500 people there, beautiful venue, a DJ, there was the bar upstairs, people under 21, and it was a vibe. It wasn't your typical networking mastermind, sit down and take notes. We wanted to create a cool atmosphere to be in because we wanted to really disrupt the whole event space and not make it your typical come here, sit down, suit and tie, corporate feeling event. Like I've been to events where it's like you walk in there and it's just, it's like such a businessy suit and tie concept. And I believe what our generation is doing, Gen Z, is like we're going the unconventional route. For me, when I go to an event, I'm wearing sweatpants and a t-shirt and John Geiger's. What a move to roll through a party in sweatpants and young and reckless kicks. It screams, hey, come talk to me. I don't bite. If I'm at a party surrounded by $3,000 suits to the backdrop of contemporary jazz, I might be less inclined to chat it up freely with whoever. But if you relax the environment, conversation and connection flow freely. Again, Casey invests in keeping it real and authentic. How else are you supposed to foster real relationships? 
established from these events, his relationships paid dividends. And that was most clear with drama. Drama and I, and the story behind that is just insane how I ended up hosting events with drama, someone that I looked up to for years. It started from the podcast, and then I was in LA, and then I stopped by his office, and then he came to an event that I hosted and came and spoke, and then I was like, hey, man, what do you think about hosting an event together? And I was like, dude, absolutely, let's go, because he had a podcast. He wants to bring entrepreneurs together as well, and it turned into a business opportunity with him. One of the first times I met Drama, he had this cool neon sign in his room in his podcast studio. I was like, dude, this is such an epic sign. Like, where'd you get it? I want to buy one. He was like, I'll make a bet with you, bro. He's like, what's one of your goals? I was like, to move out to the West Coast after high school. And this was before I graduated back in 2018. He was like, when you move out, I'll buy you a sign. And it was just super epic to hear that from him. And it, it only inspired me more. And when I graduated in June 2018, I moved out to Scottsdale, Arizona in August because I had business partners out here. And it's been such an insane ride since then. It truthfully just built so much independence in my life. Like how I think about the world just from living on my own. And it's something too where it's like, I know I'm super young, right? Like I've interviewed so many massively successful people. And for me, like, yes, I'm successful in my own way, but at the end of the day, right? I moved out of my mom's house a year and a half, two years ago, right? Where it's like, I have such a lack of experience, but also of an, an abundance of experience for the, for, in which I've created with different relationships and conversations and experience where I'm so grateful for the transition of being out here in Arizona because it truthfully built so much self-confidence and it changed my life in every way when it comes to me just being all in and what I'm building out here with people that I care about. And to the point, it definitely opened up so many doors of just the access to the West Coast and how I was able to travel like so much more. But with drama, when I did move out, he bought me the sign such a cool experience he actually got it to me when he came out and spoke at the event we hosted here in scottsdale it was just a super dope story that proved to myself like hey i did what i was going to say i was going to do and that's that with some prodding from drama and a neon prize waiting for him on the west coast casey for went college and moved to arizona he was at the typical age that one moves out of the house, but Casey wasn't at the typical stage of his life for someone his age. He was used to independence in business, but not in all areas of his personal life. Most achieve independence in business only after getting a degree and working at an entry-level job for a large company, and that's long after they've moved out of their parents' place. Casey switched it around. It was a transition. It was a confidence booster, and it was a hell of a time. But with such a fast-paced life, it's incredibly important to take a moment and reflect. I think self-reflection is the most critical thing anyone can do. And I actually, I spend a lot of time journaling, right? I have this 600-page journal that I'm already like 500 pages deep for the year of 2020, and it was supposed to last all year. But at the end of every year, for the past two years, like literally, like the last week of the year, and I'm like very like in my own head reflecting on the year. And I try to spend a lot of time on a daily basis practicing gratitude, reflecting on, on what I learned for the day, for the month, for the year. And I believe that's always kept me very grounded 
very humble, very open, and just filled with gratitude. And that's how I live my life on a daily basis where I'm so invested into the journey where like today I, I interviewed Tosca Musk and I interviewed May Musk last week and I had Rick Ross and Robert Greene and all these high caliber people. Like when I look in the mirror sometimes, I just, it hits me and I have to truly reflect on the momentum, like you said, double-edged sword. But I, I truthfully look at it in such a positive light when it comes to how I spend time reflecting. I do spend a lot of time like taking every day by its horns and just going all in. Like I truthfully try to do that. Like I, I'm here to maximize every day, every month, and every year because I understand the value of my youth and being young right now is so important. And to maximize that really takes that understanding of gratitude and reflection and understanding that, hey, you only get to be 19 once. You only get to be 20 once. And I'm so aware of that that it just fires me up. Like you have to believe in every single thing you're doing with full certainty, right? Like, for example, when I was a, a sophomore in high school, they would say, right, oh, what's your plan B? What's your plan B? Like, you need to make your plan B your plan A because if it's not, you're going to fall back on your plan B just because it's there, right? I never had another option, and I've always been so self-confident in just my direction and trusting the process and that everything happens for a reason that – it's always outweighed the, the small bits of self-doubt, for sure. Casey treats himself as he does people he meets at his events, with respect and care. Yes, it's important to nurture your network, but I'd argue that it's just as important to redirect some of that care to yourself. Because if you are moving at Casey's pace, you can easily burn out. Casey treats himself with respect, with humility, and has an eye for how he can best prepare for the future. And sometimes that future doesn't materialize instantly. It requires careful planning, just like it did to meet one of the most famous people in broadcasting. Welcome back to the Rise of the Young podcast. On today's episode, I am very excited for this one. It's, it's been something that not only have I been looking forward to for years now, but it's, it's such a privilege to have today's guest on. And that person is the one and only Larry King. So before that, I interviewed Tilman Fertitta the billionaire owner of the Houston Rockets. I interviewed him and a couple weeks later where Michael was like, hey man, we're gonna be doing a special dinner in Los Angeles at the penthouse in Beverly Hills. Tillman is inviting the people that interviewed him that helped out with his book campaign. It's gonna be 30 people, do you wanna come? I'm like, absolutely, right? And everyone's going around introducing themselves, talking about who they are, how they contributed to the book. And Tillman, when it gets a chance, is like, Chance, I just want to say it was a pleasure being on your dad's show today. You know, Larry's someone that I have so much respect for. And that's when Kieran and I put the dots together, like, that's Larry King's son. So I go up to him, introduce myself, talk about I have a podcast. And it was like a week before my event with Drama and Young and Reckless, where I'm like, hey, Chance, next weekend, I'm having an event in Los Angeles with Drama and Rob Deerdeck and all these people are coming out. You should come out to this event. He comes out to the event the following week in Los Angeles, checks it out. You know, it solidifies just like who I am and this event. And he's like, this is so epic. As the you know months went on, like November, December, I just stayed connected with Chance, reaching out, saying Happy Thanksgiving, saying Merry Christmas. And I asked him, I was like, hey Chance, it would be an absolute pleasure to have your father on my show. And I remember it was the day after Thanksgiving, I was flying back to Arizona. I was, yeah, I was in Richmond at the airport. And 
you know, I sent Chance a Thanksgiving message and it was like, you know, I'm thankful that we met this year. Just want to follow up. If there's any time for your father to be on my show, it would be an absolute honor. And he's like, when are you going to be in LA next? And I'm like, I can be in LA any day within the next three weeks. You let me know when. And he's like, cool. He has availability December 10th. Let's get that booked in. But the Larry King interview, I remember, it was the most surreal 45 minutes that I will always cherish and remember of asking him about interviewing legendary icons, what he learned from 60,000 interviews. You know, he's 87 years old, I'm 19, we have a 67 year age gap. There's so much wisdom in that conversation that even I, when I go back and watch it, I learned so much every single time just from watching that interview. And I understand that at that point of his life, being 87 years old, it's time that is more valuable than anything. So for him to take the time to do that show really meant the world to me. And most importantly, it got such a positive response on social. And it, I like to say in my eyes, like elevated my podcast to a completely new level. Larry being such an icon in the broadcasting world and has done 60,000 interviews, it only reassured after that conversation I want to do interviews for the rest of my life because the feeling that I had when interviewing someone on that level was so absolutely insane. And like even just looking back on it, like to hear this, like the steps that went in place, it's not that I just interviewed Larry King. I had to do 143 or whatever it was interviews and every single interview mattered to, to have the brand and the podcast, to have someone on the show to get invited to the dinner, to then meet Chance, to then interview Larry, right? And I think that's the mo one of the most important lessons that I want people to understand from this story where it's like, when networking and building a brand and building relationships, like you have to be truly invested into the people you have at your fingertips today, right? For example, some of my goals are to interview The Rock and Kevin Hart and Oprah and these legends, Elon Musk, Bill Gates. And I know it's not gonna happen tomorrow, right? But I understand that whenever I do interview those people, it's going to be because of a, a relationship in my life that helped me get there. So for me, I'm fully invested into the relationships I have at my fingertips today, bringing value, sending them gifts, or just sending them reminders, telling them why I'm grateful for them, and you know, doing these things that build relationships. Larry King is broadcast royalty. It's in his name for Pete's sake. You'd be more jester than night, bursting into the palace gates, demanding to see the king. Casey was an expert in keeping it cool and building up to that big ask. Don't name drop Chance's dad before you get a chance to shake his hand. That's bad form. Don't use him for professional advancement. Even worse form. If Casey built a real friendship with Chance by keeping it real and authentic, Chance would genuinely trust him with the honor of interviewing his dad. Having closed all six degrees of separation to get to Larry King, the most prolific broadcaster in human history, that was a galvanizing and inspiring experience. And if Casey has aspirations to maybe be the next Larry King, he has about 59,800 interviews to do. He better get on it. Luckily for him, Casey has about seven decades to catch up. I've landed some super cool interviews with Rick Ross. He talked about something that was super important. He talked about positioning yourself like a boss, right? Because if I, if I analyze the situation, why does Rick Ross take the time to be on a young 19 year old kid's podcast? It's not 
like I'm anyone special. It's not that I've done anything extraordinary to the fact where he wants to talk to me. It's the positioning, it's the personal branding, but it's the strategic reaching out and being of value. Because when I reached out to Rick Ross and I said, hey Rick, I just had Robert Green on my podcast. It would be an absolute pleasure to have you on my show for 15 minutes to, to promote your book. And three things that happened there. And this is why he talked about me positioning myself as a boss. I talked about, hey, I only want 15 minutes of your time. Very time conscious because I know time is money for him. Number two, it's to promote his book. And number three, he loves Robert Greene. And that's one of the people that he respects. It's a public thing. Him and Robert have a great relationship. I mentioned his name and boom, there was leverage there. And I think that's, see, that's what people don't see about networking and especially about how I book these interviews on my show. There's no easy way to do it. Every interview and every individual is different. Every person I reach out to is unique. And there's always a strategic piece of leverage that I'm carrying with a great purpose behind it to provide value to my audience and to also give them a platform to speak on. I know that every interview matters and that's why I'm so passionate about every conversation, right? And there's so much opportunity to connect with these type of people to build relationships for long-term business opportunity. And it's all capable through your phone. And I think that's the most important thing where the, the simple art of networking and building relationships is truthfully one of the most important things to me. And that's why I'm super passionate about what I'm building when it comes to the platform to connect podcasters with interview with guests and advertisers. I'm just obsessed and curious about other people's stories. And that's what I believe really makes me passionate as a podcaster, passionate as an individual that's building companies. And it's given me so much insight and wisdom through listening because you know what they say right always be the dumbest person in the room through having these conversations with all of these quality people looking back i'm like wow i've had so much insight into the lives of others and i've been able to ask quality questions that i want answered for my audience but also for myself for my career and it's given me an advantage but also insights into the world and how I view business, but most importantly, how I view success in the journey. Casey is often lauded for his age. And yeah, it's pretty impressive to juxtapose his age with his accomplishments. But to me, age isn't what I'll take away from this interview. I'm fascinated by Casey's ability to connect with people. His network started from zero maybe even less than zero. His community at times actively stifled his dream of more. He could not look to the people in his town as role models for who he wanted to become. That didn't stop Casey. Luckily, an injury that would mentally and physically cripple most instead woke Casey up. Time was of the essence, and he knew who he wanted to be. To become that person, he had to find a malleable tool that could teleport him outside the confines of his town. That tool was the internet. The internet opened the world to Casey, and Casey took off. From an online course, to DMing local businesses, to getting flown out by business gurus, to throwing events, to meeting with some of the most influential people in the world, Casey has built a network that rivals not only his peers, but seasoned business professionals. It's exciting to see how much momentum was created in such a short time and also how simple it all seems. When you cut to the core of Casey's ideology, it really is simple. Pay it forward. Give people value. Be genuinely interested. 
Yes, there is upkeep. You have to be diligent about creating value and reaching out, but if you can pay it forward, you'll be destined for success. So pay it forward. Thank you so much for listening and make sure to subscribe to our newsletter by going to findingfounders.co or check us out on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram at Finding Founders Podcast. Finding Founders is produced and hosted by me, Sam LaVonner. Adrian Tapia leads the editing team with Matt Fernandez and Sophia Donner. Sophie Davies leads the writing team with Dan O'Nissen, Joyce Mock, and Elizabeth Bowen. Sahej Sandhu leads the outreach team with Jessica Lynn, Sasha Ivanova, and Roma Bedeker. Our design team is Phoebe Sajor, Annie Liu, Rachel Dang, James Barton, and Steven Sai. Our events team is Maddie Bozen and Dharma Shaw. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.